Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Beyond Growth Show. I'm here, as always, with the wonderful Claudia Harvey. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Craig. How are you today, Craig? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm good. And who is our podcast guest today? Today, we have Pete Winters, founder of Viral Media Fundraising. Pete helps nonprofits, causes, and foundations go viral. That is incredibly, incredibly different and interesting. So um, there's a recipe to making things go viral because we all see viral things going out and in the media. And I definitely want to hear how he ties that into fundraising. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a very interesting show. And, you know, there is, as you say, there are ways to make it happen and make it work. And uh, listening to Pete's going to be phenomenal today. Now, we met Pete in the organization that we're involved in called C-Suite. Right. And we met him, gosh, I think it was probably December of 2019, I think. Yeah, probably around then, yep. And, you know, talking about going viral and talking about connections like we talk about all the time. You know, it's, we met Pete and we heard what he did. Now, today we're bringing him on like a year and a bit later to talk about how he can impact lives, impact the world by things going viral. So it's, uh, it's the, the, the world connections are getting smaller and smaller. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to introducing Pete today. Yeah, yeah, me, me as well. He definitely brings positivity into many people's lives. Mm-hmm. And when he takes things viral, some of the topics that he takes viral are, are just very helpful to humans in general and overall. It's, it's phenomenal what he's doing. And in today's world, we need all the positivity that we can get, right? Absolutely, we do. So with that... Why don't you start with something positive? Okay, so uh, today is the ninth anniversary of the International Day of Women and Girls in Science. And this day marks the pledge to end the gender imbalance in science. And at present, less than 30% of researchers worldwide are women, which is a shame. So I, I think this day is tremendous. Yeah, yes. I've noticed a strong push to encourage young girls into STEM. STEM is science, technology, education, mathematics. Yes, I've noticed a strong push to encourage young girls into STEM, science, technology, education, mathematics, and to recognize the contributions of women already in these fields. Yeah, and it's, you know, only 30% of all female students select STEM-related fields in higher education, which is a shame. And those that actually make STEM an occupation are only 12% are women. But... There's always a but, and the good news is, because it's positive, that has significantly risen for me even 20 years ago, and innovation and technology continues to grow, and girls, women are, are moving more and more into the field, which is great. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I have to say, don't forget to like and subscribe our YouTube channel, and make sure you comment, and we'd love to hear from all our listeners that are around the world. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit the notification bell for updates and videos. Let's bring on Pete. Hello, Pete, and welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hey, Pete. How are you? Great. Hi, Craig. Hi, Claudia. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, too. And we have, you've told us that you have just recently moved to sunny Florida. We've had another podcast guest very recently in Florida, so I'm doubly jealous. <laughs> so nice and sunny and warm down where you are. Yep. In fact, I was uh, I was out on my bicycle in 80 degrees weather on Sunday. So oh my! <laughs> twist my arm. 
Oh, and now I'm triply jealous. Well, good for you. That is great. That is really nice. Good. That is really nice. Yep. Yeah. Being in the sun and great for you. Very excited to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pete. And, you know, let's get, let's get right into this conversation because I love this conversation. Viral media fundraising, an unusual grouping of words. Tell us what it's about. How did you get started with something like this? Sure. So, um, in viral media fundraising, you know, we've all seen many examples of campaigns that have gone viral. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real thing. And it's an opportunity for nonprofits, for causes, for foundations to create a strategy for potentially going viral. So, um, you know, if you think about if I were to ask everybody, how quickly could you get a hold of your smartphone? It would probably take you one or two seconds, depending on how quick you are on the draw. Well, if you think about the digital age that we're in, the e-commerce we do, the purchases that we make, the media that we consume, so much of it is digitally enabled today. There really is an opportunity for causes to move in that direction, but it requires a different set of strategies and tactics. So, so the opportunity is there to go viral. The opportunity is there for, to grow like wildfire and get tons of new donors, new advocates, new followers, but it really uh, it takes on a, a different way of doing it. I stumbled into it um, on the basis of a number of years ago, one of my clients, I was working doing some agency work for an agency that had a lot of nonprofits themselves. And so I stumbled into this notion of, of here's social media and here's nonprofits. And why my aha moment is why aren't they connecting the dots? Why aren't they using social media the way that it could potentially be used? So that was really my light bulb moment for me about five or six years ago, I saw a real opportunity for the nonprofit community to move in this direction. So, so one fashion credit. So, are viral campaigns one-offs, or do what? What? What are the ingredients to do a viral campaign? So, so, so traditionally, what we see today is viral campaigns tend to be one-offs. Right. Which is, you see that GoFundMe campaign, old lady lost her dog in a hurricane, it makes the 11 o'clock news, and there's $50,000 uh, the next day. That's, the, that's the, the popular version. But the kind of viral media fundraising that I'm talking about, Claudia, is more the ecosystem of the organization. So I'll give you some examples of, of ecosystem and, and how like these ingredients come into play. If you look at, um, go back a number of years, I'll, I'll cite two from a while ago and then, and then two from more recent times. There's an Instagram site many people are familiar with called Humans of New York. And I think there's like 13 million followers. Okay. When that first started out, it was er- in the early days of Instagram that Humans of New York came along. And you could see on your phone really cool images of people on park benches in New York City. And the author behind the camera would traditionally ask that person about their parents or siblings they haven't spoken to, a lost one. And you got to see elements of humanity. You got to see yourself in other people in these, in these long lost souls. And so, so that humanized approach was really something that is an ecosystem opportunity for organizations. Another example of it, um, Randy Posh was the Carnegie Mellon professor back in 2008 that delivered the last lecture that went on to become a bestseller. The last lecture appeared on, on Oprah Winfrey. He had stage four cancer. And he knew at the time that he was literally delivering his last lecture in, at Carnegie Mellon University um, that he had about two months left to live. 
he was in great physical condition. He went, he got down on the stage, he did one-arm push-ups, you know, to a, to a standing room only audience. But they got 20 million YouTube hits back in 2008. And, and that was a non-celebrity number. 20 million YouTube hits, non-celebrity 2008. That's a big, big That's number. huge, yeah. And, and the reason for that it was very compelling. More recently, see examples of when you see a, like a school in Dallas, Texas, a public school system that had once a month breakfast with dads. Mm-hmm. And frequently they would notice this, the school administrators would notice a whole bunch of kids showing up without dads. So they did a call for volunteers. They needed 50 dad volunteers. And the picture, the famous image, is the picture of 650 dad volunteers showing up. Wow. We needed 50 dads to support, to surrogate for these kids. So when things are humanized, when things are compelling, when things are inspiring, these are like the ingredients that we typically see. Right. So I'll give you one last example, and then the two ingredients, how I would name them. The, the last example would be when things are funny. So, so we don't want tragic. We don't want notoriety. Those, those are other versions. But when things are funny, and the most classic example of that is the ice bucket challenge. Right. They've got 400 plus million hits ar- around the world and raised over $100 million right less. Right. So in each of these um, examples I've, I've given, more often than not, it's not the person or it's not the cause. It's not the foundation. It's not the tagline. It's not necessarily them about themselves. Mm-hmm. What's happening, the two ingredients that are typically occurring to achieve this humanized element is one, there is like a changing of the author. The author being the person that's on the receiving end of the benefit, that's on the receiving end of the service. Their ability to express humanity, to express gratitude, to experience humility and know what that means. Their words, their actions, their, their look is going to be much more compelling, humanized, inspiring to the most to the most of us. And the other ingredient, so change the author is one. The other ingredient is to um, change the angle of the conversation. It's a very subtle twist in something that doesn't look like a campaign, doesn't uh-huh. look like a challenge, doesn't look like a contest, doesn't look like another you know GoFundMe initiative. Just very subtle tweaking of, of language can be really some primary things to help um, get organizations to move in this direction. Well, and I, I wanted to touch on that because, you know, um, having a viral funny video, YouTube campaigns, something go out, you know, people laugh, it goes, it's funny, it's great. But how do you tie in that to actual fundraising? What's the connection? So, so the, the connection in, in digital media, when, when something goes viral, you're getting a significant number of people that are participating um, in a conversation. So, so to, to tie that into um, the organization, that there's some uh, connection between the conversation and the organization, so that the organization is the one that's running point on that conversation. So if there is a situation where there's 100,000 or a million or 10 million people participating in the conversation, the foundation that's running point can then maneuver that conversation for public service announcement types of of bits, if you will. The magic, the trick is not to to overuse it, not to overextend your stay. Let the people be the people. Let the humanization of the story remain what it is. Don't go too quickly into the ask or don't go too often into the ask. Right. So, yeah. So, right. 
So, Pete, is that almost a situation where, you know, they come to you, you, you put out some subtle stuff, and then because they're in the space, they're coming to you? 100%. Yeah, very um, nice. So and and I'll, I'll give a, a, a bunch of different examples of that. Um, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, those that are susceptible to going viral, and so I can answer, answer it this way. Um, when you look at uh, an organization like um, a food bank, there's an obvious potential conversation that can be had there with the food bank, which is, is the, the grateful parent, if you will, being able to express because of food insecurity that, that the kid is going through, that grateful parent type of conversation. So, so you certainly can plant the seed for a potential conversation to occur. And tactically, you can do that with your inner circle of, of constituency, you, you know, your, your inner ambassadors, your champions, if you will, and then roll that out to, into larger groups and communities on a going forward basis. And if it really looks like it's, it's catching on, then you can move into paid uh, to further embellish it. So yeah, you really can, can um, position it, Craig, and then tactically move in that direction. Right, right, very nice. So you must work on some very fun and interesting campaigns. So can you tell us any that you're currently working on that you're, you're actually really excited about? Yeah. So, so th there's a number of them, um, and, and, and I've got a couple that are funny too. Um, uh, there, there's, there's one that, um, that comes to mind for me, which is um, a suicide prevention organization. They're a brand new uh, client that, that I'm working with. Christy Knight's iRise Foundation is a founder of, of the organization, a C-suite member, and she's an expert in suicidology, suicide prevention. And we're starting a conversation, and the conversation is, is surrounded on, on the phrase, one good day. And the notion of having a conversation that people around the world can participate in a conversation called one good day really speaks for, for a very unusual opportunity in suicide prevention, particularly with, with teenagers. When we left cyberbullying, we went right into isolation, even for adults. You know, depression and isolation, talk to anybody. And, and mental health services. Uh, I'm really thrilled we're testing the waters with the breast cancer organization where we're talking about the tribe. It's not a tribe you want to belong to, but if, you, if you've got it or a family member has it, you're, you're in that tribe. So we're, we're testing the waters with the tribe uh, uh, in that breast cancer uh, community. Human trafficking, working with, with Mitzi Perdue on anti-human trafficking with Vanessa Russell, Maluna Fosh in, in those areas. There's a lot of opportunities for the women to maintain anonymity, but come forth about being saved, literally from, from probably certain death to be becoming, you know, resuscitating, becoming productive members of, of society. There's a very interesting conversation uh, that could go on there. And I'll give you my, my funny one too, Craig. One of my upcoming um, um, opportunities is with an organization called the Professional Bull Riders Association, PBR. <laughs> It's Canada-based, PBR, and the, the campaign there is probably going to be centered around if this bull could talk. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. It's just, it's, it's, you don't ever hear me using taglines, yeah. and you don't right. hear me using the, the, the mission statement of the foundation. It's an other conversation that's humanized, inspiring, compelling, funny. It's a we the people type of thing. Right, very nice. I, I think, Claudia, the next time we're in Vegas, you've committed to ride the mechanical bull. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have to see if that bull talks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, dear. <laughs> so, 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 Pete, 
Um, you, you mentioned that you're working on the one with suicide, uh, which relates around depression. Very tough time for that for many people. Does timing play into something going viral, or is it really the content and what you do that brings the people to it? I, I think it's both, but I'm going to default to the latter. Right. Um, the, the latter being, if you if you put together a plan and and really do it well, the timing could be providence you know this like real estate location 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 timing is great but it doesn't have to rely on timing so i'll give you an, I'll give you an example of one that there's no timing related to it aaron avila of stroke tv foundation also a c-suite member um he and i and some others of, of his inner circle are working on a campaign uh, centered around nice try stroke but i'm still here <laughs> good and it's not a timing play yeah. Right. It's 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 understanding. Aaron's got a number of people that are very close to him in the stroke survivor, stroke thriver community, if you will. And then there's groups, associations, and communities all around the world of 80 million plus stroke survivors. So it really is is playing our cards in a methodical way before then going to blow it out when we're ready to blow it out. And it really has nothing to do with timing in that particular instance. But other times, timing's everything. So do you work with? international groups national groups local groups you work you sounds like you work with a whole variety i i do yeah 100 percent um international national local um the thing with local is people um uh, uh, founders and and board members and executive directors need to be okay with stretching their boundaries and i mean it by metaphor not not location stretching their boundaries of who they think they are because there's nothing stopping a food bank or a hospice service from becoming the thing that launched a national conversation. Mm -hmm. So yes, it, it can be local, but, but they've got to bring that innovation quotient to the game. They have to be willing to be bold uh, mm -hmm. if they're going to succeed. But yes, international, national, local for sure. Right. Well, and that sort of leads me into some organizations are struggling constantly with the concept of fundraising, especially I have heard in today's times because of COVID, that is one of the, the limitations of people giving money to, to fundraising causes right now just because they're worried about the economic times. Yeah, so I was some, actually reading recently, Claudia, that fundraising was down 70% in people uh, making donations. Right. So how does, how does what you do affect that? So, so I'll, I'll use the idea that uh, Mitzi Perdue and I had come up with. She's um, um, win this fight against human trafficking. And Mitzi has, has very affluent friends all around the world. And she had de developed a campaign that was going to include a, a world-renowned auction house to auction off very, very expensive jewelry. Mm -hmm. But when COVID hit, all that went to the wayside. Mm -hmm. And that'll probably relaunch again in 12 months or 18 months from now, mm -hmm. when maybe the economy gets back to some sense of normalcy. In the meantime, her shifting gears led us to creating a campaign centered around $5. And so you remember Rosie the Riveter uh, from World War II days? She started the Rosie the Liberator campaign. This month is anti-human trafficking awareness. And it's, you know, show us your Rosie the Liberator campaign. And part of that campaign is, is $5. And it's just part of that, the, the benefit of that is, well, there's some money coming in, but there's also a donor database of people that you could be messaging to that could become ambassadors for you in the future, or maybe future donors in, in other campaigns around 
that human trafficking initiative. Right. So you really are taking digital media content and strategies and applying it to viral fundraising. 100%. So it's a, it's really is a, it's a marketing tool that you're just applying in a different direction, different. The, the 100%, the things that I've done from a marketing perspective of understanding like the discovery process and organization's objectives, what their key performance indicators are, then laying out a plan, right. the creative brief, that is identical. Right. Everything that is at the beginning of the marketing strategy and, and tactical side of things is considered in the creative brief process. But the methods for viral media are very, very specific. It's almost um, anti-branding, if you will. Right. Um, it's, it's a second conversation besides the normal uh, uh, who they are, what they're about. What is that other conversation? So yes, we apply all of the traditional marketing tactics, but then the, the methodology for going viral is very specific. And that's the part where it deviates a fork in a row. Right. Well, that's really, I, I commend you. That is really interesting because fundraising is often, I hate to say it, but it's irritating because people knock on your door, they pick up the phone, they, they, you're just, it feels like you're sometimes hounded. So they, I don't know how those organizations even make money because people get so turned off yeah. by that. It, it was definitely goes back to my aha moment. And I think I'm going to say the year was about um, 2012, 2013. I had already been working in social media with, with corporations. And in the early days, it was like, is your branding matched? Is your Facebook match your website and the, the other platforms, what have you? And then it began to move into strategy. When I stumbled into nonprofit, I was like, wow, what a great opportunity. But you can't use the old methods. You can't use the old tactics um, there. And, and all of them have done that. All of them followed down that path of, Here's who we are. We're saving lives one month at a time. Here's our gala. And look at all these people dressed in their Sunday or Saturday best clothing at our, at our auction dinner, whatever it might be. Not the way to use uh, social media for fundraising, in my opinion. Yeah, it's too obvious. Yeah, and so one of the things that I really like about uh, this program, um, Pete, is you're obviously bringing attention to the program that needs the fundraising, but also you're creating some fun behind it and something goes viral. As you talk about the stroke campaign, you're bringing together stroke survivors and probably lifting up their overall feeling. They're getting together, they're communicating with other people who survived stroke. So over and above just the fundraising, bringing those people together, I think is a great human element to what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, if you think about like the old Rocky movies and in-home you know, uh, physical training, and these people are, are striving to, for the next step, the next ability um, as on their, on their path. Not all, but many are in that striving mode. So, so Aaron really is a very inspiring uh, leader in that space. And I don't want to say it's easy, but it's, it can be easy when you figure it out, you got the formula on how to play your cards uh, the right way. So, yeah, there, there definitely is. It's, it's very inspirational. It's very humanized. It, it goes hand in hand with what's happened with the pandemic, that's so, that so right. many of us have become more grounded. Right. We're more in tune with what are the things that are the most important, right. our feelings, our family, our health, the, mm -hmm. the um, security of those around you. And so, so this, this notion of, of people being, thinking more from a social impact perspective, it's, it's certainly um, prevalent for mm -hmm. today's times. Right. So I have to ask, when somebody gets started into one of these campaigns, 
How does one know if they are susceptible to actually going viral? Do you have a litmus test or is there a test out there that really says, is this one going to go? Yeah, I would, I would say for, for any organization, if they were to ask themselves two questions, number one, who is on the receiving end of the benefits? And number two, what might they say? If you've got a really good feeling of the people that are on the receiving end of the benefits and you're getting great answers to what they might say, great answers lends itself to the possibility of going viral. Well, and I think it's bringing back something you just recently said, it's connecting with people's emotions and what's important in today's world and today's times to what's important to them. They've become more grounded. Their perspective has changed and it's what speaks to them. And if you do it in a way that's, um, shifted sideways, not head on, mm-hmm. that engages them, that attracts them. I think that's brilliant. That's really great. Yeah. And, and it, Claudia, it's, it's not going to work for, for everybody, but at least people can try. Right. You know, and, and I think a lot of organizations are not trying because they don't necessarily have the know-how or, or the wherewithal to think differently. Right. We're in a different age. It requires different approaches for sure. Right. 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 Awesome. Well, excellent. Um, Pete, it's, it's uh, 20 minutes gone like that. <laughs> um, how can people get a hold of you? Um, the best way um, uh, would be to go to um, my website. There's an assessment. It takes three to five minutes to fill out. So, so that, that site would be a bit.ly forward slash viral, hopefully. So it's bit.ly forward slash viral, hopefully. The V and the H are capitalized. bit.ly forward slash viral hopefully initial caps and viral hopefully right so they they fill out the the assessments and 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 i'll get back to them and give them a score on you guys are like you're raving and ready to go or you need to maybe do a couple of adjustments it's a real quick phone call and it takes maybe three to five minutes to fill it out and do the whole thing online well that's awesome that is great i think it's fantastic well i'm i'm looking forward to having you come on post-COVID, and you tell us some consequences, some effects that that your shift has happened. I'm really looking forward to that. I I would love to. In fact, I'll um, be certain I'll be able to cite some of the ones that I told you that I'm just starting to work on now and what they're they're coming out of in the spring and summer. That's good for you. You must feel really happy yourself to be able to connect and make this type of impact with people. It is extremely fulfilling work. Yes. You know, the opportunity of serving others. And as one of my, my uh, fellow um, angel advisors, um, uh, Nigel Henry, told me, I didn't answer the call. I knew I was called, but I didn't answer the call until I was about 50. And that's when I was ready. And really, it is very fulfilling work, Claudia. I love the clients that I work with. I love the, the organizations that I, that I get to. Yeah, to just to be able to touch the lives and make impact like this is, I can imagine, very rewarding. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that you and I started speaking is because of the philanthropy, because of the, the love of, of I like to be able to give back to others. And uh, so I found what you were first initially talking about was very, very fascinating. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank and you so much, Claudia. Really appreciate it. Thank and you and it's been much. wonderful having you on the uh, show today, Pete. It's, it's phenomenal what you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pete. Thank awesome. You.
So with that, that ends our segment for today. And we always like to end with a quote. So Claudia, do you have a quote for us today? I do have a quote. So here's the quote. There are two eyes in fundraising. They should stand for inspiration and innovation, not imitation and irritation. And that was said by Ken Burnett. So I think very appropriate to what Pete is talking about today. Yeah. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on our podcast channel. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the notification bell to get updates on our latest podcasts. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, and catch you soon.